Praise God. You may be seated. So good to have you with us, worshiping together with us. Online, we thank you so much for joining us in worship. I'm excited about God's Word today. We're going to be talking about a topic that Jesus spent much time talking about. Matter of fact, he talked more about this than he talked about a lot of other things that we like to focus on. But it's a good word, and I believe it's a word in season this morning. So are you ready for it? All right. Praise God. We're going to get right into it. So if you'd open up your Bibles, if you have them with you, or whatever device you're following along on, I want to, uh, we're going to be reading from 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 through 19. It's the first portion of Scripture. Then we have some more that we're going to be looking at this morning. So it's going to be a teaching this morning. I want to encourage you to be, be paying attention, to be mindful, to jot down the verses, or come back to this again and just, just look over it. But we're addressing the money issue. Everyone say the money issue. I know you're really glad that you got up this morning. You took on the, the second snowstorm of the week to hear about the money issue. <laughs> but it's a, it's, a great, it's a great topic. And that we certainly, we can't be teaching the whole word of God, the whole counsel of God's word and not be uh, teaching or talking about the money issue, talking about finances. To do so, to ignore it would be to ignore a significant portion of Christ's teachings. And the, the money issue is certainly not the sum total of what Jesus came to do, but it certainly is a big part of what he came and, and, and that he taught on. And it's a, it's a vital part of our redemption in Christ Jesus. Matter of fact, when you read the Gospels, when you read through the Scriptures, it's, all through, it's throughout the Word of God, Old Covenant, New Covenant. And so uh, many people may not be aware of it, but 16, of the eight, 16 out of 18 of Jesus' parables deal with your money management. I think that's pretty significant, 16 out of 38. So uh, more is said in the New Testament about money management than about heaven and hell combined. There's five times more said about money management than prayer. And while there are 500 plus verses on both prayer and on faith, there are over 2,000 verses dealing with the money issue, your financial stewardship or management. So in second, excuse me, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, let me read a couple verses and then we'll continue and get right into the, the meat of the teaching today. Verse 17 of 1 Timothy chapter 6 says, Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches. Everyone say uncertain riches. So there's certain things we're to trust in, certain things we're not to be trusting in. So uh, don't be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good that they may be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. Now, just let me uh, clarify this particular portion of Scripture because it addresses, um, it says, command those who are rich. And many times when you read that or you hear that, people want to have a tendency to do a self-evaluation and say, well, I'm not rich. There's other people who are rich, but I'm not rich. Uh, you are rich. You're living in the United States of America, one of the, the wealthiest countries in the world. And uh, I've been told some years ago that if you have a minimum of $2,000 worth of assets, you are among the richest people in the entire world. So, you know, the, the word of God, God is addressing the whole world. It's not just America. It's not just us, but it's for the whole world. So commanding those who are rich, you can't look around and compare yourself to other people that are much richer than you and say, well, I'm not rich. 
you are very rich compared to some other people. So it's addressing all of us. So it's commanding you in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but to be trusting in the living God, trusting in the living God. So as a foundation from that, let's go ahead and get into some more of what uh, God has in store for us today. The second reading I'd like for you to find, it's, uh, it's found on line 34B on form 1040 which deals with your charitable giving. You all find it? <laughs> I'll give you a moment to find it, all right? I think you know where it's at. And so you just uh, deal with that with however the Holy Spirit deals with you on, but you, you can go ahead and, and take that. Uh, let's turn, what I do want you to turn to in all seriousness in Deuteronomy chapter 14. In this particular portion of Scripture, and there's also another portion in the following chapter, in chapter 15, but here Moses is giving Israel instructions on their financial management. He's instructing them on money issues. So we're going to go through verses uh, 22 through 29 of Deuteronomy chapter 14. We're going to go through this, and I want to highlight some of Moses, some of the main points that Moses is making that are still valid in our lives today that will help us to put our trust in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy rather than putting our trust in, in uncertain riches. So in verse Verse uh, 14 and verse 22. It says, you shall surely, you shall truly tithe all the increase of your grain and the field that, that the field produces year by year. So the very first point coming out of the gate here concerning money issues as Moses is addressing the children of Israel is that you shall surely tithe all. The word tithe means the, first, means the first portion. It means the first 10%. That's what that particular word means. So you shall surely tithe all the increase of your grain and the field that the field produces year by year. So the first main point is you shall surely tithe year by year. The point is this, is that you're tithing. First of all, you're to be doing it. And then in with that, it is to be systematic. Everyone say systematic. It's year by year. And of course, in the agricultural community, which Israel was at this particular time, it was year by year because you, you, know, you go through the process of, of uh, preparing your fields and planting the, the, the seed and then caring for the crop and then harvesting the crop and then selling the crop and you get the produce. Basically, you got paid once a year. And so it's however systematic your pay is. What, whatever is systematic for you, if you're paid every day, every week, every month, annual, whatever it is, for you, it, it is to be systematic. But you are to be tithing on all your increase, and it is to be systematic. In the New Testament, in case some people are thinking, well, Pastor Ray, you're talking about money management, but immediately you went to Moses and you went to the law. I know I did. But the Ten Commandments are still valid today. You know that, don't you? you you're still not supposed to kill, lie, cheat, steal, commit adultery. You're still not supposed to do those things. Are you aware of that? <laughs> We've been redeemed from the curse of the law. We have not been redeemed from the, from the godly principles and the moral aspects of the law. We're still to be fulfilling those. And in, in the New Testament, it's referred to primarily as the fruit of the Spirit. 
God's love has been deposited into our heart. Now we are producing the fruit of the Spirit, and we have God's love in our heart, and we are producing the fruit of the Spirit. We are not lying, cheating, stealing, committing adultery, and all those types of things. So in uh, 1 Corinthians 16 and 2, uh, the Apostle Paul picked up on the, on the teachings of Moses, and he, and, he, and, and he wrote to the church at Corinth. He said, on the first day of every week, Systematic. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money keeping with your income. Keeping with your income. So it's to be systematic in proportion to your income. So it's not the, not everyone is supposed to be giving the same amount. You're supposed to give according to your income, but it's to be systematic. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 7, he continues on, on this again in the second chapter, and here he makes this statement, each one, everyone say each one. So that's not talking about someone else, it's talking about you. Each one should give what he or she has decided in his or her heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. So it's a heart issue. It's tithing, you are supposed to be tithing and it's to be systematic and it's supposed to be a heart issue, not reluctantly, nor under compulsion. So that's the first point that Moses is bringing out here concerning money issues. Verse 23 of Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 23 says, and you shall eat before the Lord your God in the place where he chooses to make his name abide the tithe of your grain and of your new wine and your oil of the firstborn of your herds and, and your flocks that you may learn, everyone say learn, that you may learn to fear the Lord your God. Moses is saying that tithing is to be a learning experience. Tithing teaches us on a regular basis, on a system, when we are giving systematically, every time we give of the tithe, we are teaching ourselves to trust the Lord, to honor him. That's what it's all about. First and foremost, where is my heart? Am I trusting in the Lord or am I trusting in uncertain riches or am I trusting in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy? And the reason all things that God gives us can be enjoyed is because we know that it originates from God. It's God's grace, it's God's gift to us. Therefore, we can enjoy it. So tithing is to be systematic, number one. Number two, your tithing experience is to be a learning experience, learning to honor and to trust the Lord your God. A learning experience to trust in him. Paul picked, the apostle Paul picked up on this teaching also in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 7. He's talking about the grace of God on the people of Macedonia who were experiencing severe po poverty, so severe difficulties, but in the midst of their trials and tribulations, they first of all gave themselves to the Lord and then they gave cheerfully unto the Lord. And uh, as he's using them as an example, he's talking about this was possible because First of all, they gave themselves to God, and then they gave themselves uh, to the ministry, and, and, and they talked about that how we are to be growing in many different areas of, of our faith, but we are to be growing in this grace gifting also. So it's a learning and a growing experience. My trust in God today concerning my tithe, concerning my, uh, uh, the money issues in my life, I have more confidence today when I'm giving more today than what I used to earn some years ago. But I trust him more today. 
I say some years ago, I'm being nice to myself because a lot of years ago, <laughs> but I remember, you know, I can remember not even making, earning as much as what, I'm, as what Nancy and I are honoring the Lord with today. And that's to the credit and, and, and testimony to the grace of God. So it's a learning experience, but primarily learning to trust God. That's the, that's the bottom line foundational motive and, and principle in the giving of our tithes and our offerings, to be systematically, and I'm learning to trust God, and I'm making a statement, God, I trust you. You own it all. You own it all. Socialism teaches that the government owns it. Capitalism teaches that we own it. But the Bible teaches that God owns it all, and we are simply managers of what he has entrusted to us. So continue to learn. Continue to put your trust in him and increase that trust level. Number three is found, uh, principle here is found in, in uh, verse 24 through 26. So let's go ahead and read those, those three verses. It says, but... but if the journey is too long for you so that you're not able to carry the tithe, or if the place where the Lord your God chooses to put his name is too far from you, or if it's snowing, when the Lord your God has blessed you, then you shall exchange it for money. Take the money in your hand and go to the place which the Lord your God chooses. And you shall spend that money for whatever your heart desires, for oxen or sheep or wine or similar drink, for whatever your heart desires, you shall eat there before the Lord your God and you shall rejoice you and your household. So this idea of exchange, and again, agricultural community, some people lived far away from the tabernacle. And when it was time to bring the tithe, it was too far to take the grain. It was too far to take the animals that they were, the, the first fruits of, of, of whatever it was that they were taking. So God is adaptable. He is flexible. All right, it's too far for you to bring all this grain. It's too far for you to bring the, the, the to, to bring your tithe and your offerings in a, in a literal form. So go ahead and sell it and bring the cash. Go ahead and sell it and bring the cash. So the, the tithing, the third principle Moses is teaching us here uh, concerning the money issues, is that tithing is a flexible exercise. You can bring it, you can sell it and bring the proceeds of it, just like Moses was teaching here that we can be flexible, today we're even more flexible with all the new technology that we have. You can give cash, check, credit card, you can text it in, you can mail it in, you can bring it in, you can drop it off however you wanna do it. There's so many ways to bring the tithe and to submit the tithe unto the Lord. Be flexible and be sensitive to how the Holy Spirit is leading you in your giving, but know that there are multiple ways for you to be giving. So you can't be home today because of the snow saying, oh good, I get to save my tithe because I couldn't get to church. Uh, you can get your tithe here. Just send it in, just text it in, go online, bring it in. But you know, the point being here is that you need to be flexible and, and, and be led by the Holy Spirit. So let's continue on here with, a, a matter of fact, this whole principle of, of, of the journey of, of bringing, the, bringing the tithe to the place that God chooses you, whether, whether you're selling it and bringing the cash or whether you're bringing the animals from the flocks or, or, you, or you're, bringing the, you're bringing the cash, however it is that, that you're coming, that's why that principle, when Jesus went into the 
you know, the tabernacle and he upset the money changers. He upset the tables. That's why that practice was still taking place in the tabernacle when, when Jesus was upset and, and when he came in into Jerusalem, he went into the temple and the, the, the exchange was still taking place. And of course, corruption had come in on it. And so he just cleared that whole thing out. But that's where that practice began. He, the, the people bringing their things and others that weren't bringing things had, had to buy. And then and, and that's where the corruption obviously came in there. But that's where that started. So that's free. I won't charge you for that. I just thought I'd throw that in there. So number one, your tithe is to be systematic. Number two, your tithe is to be a learning experience. You are learning to trust in the Lord your God, not in uncertain riches. Number three, the tithe is to be a flexible exercise. There's multiple ways you can be giving, presenting your tithe unto the Lord. Number four is found in verse 26 again. You shall spend that money on whatever your heart desires for oxen or sheep, for wine or similar drink. For whatever your heart desires, you shall eat there before the Lord your God and you shall rejoice. You shall rejoice, you and your household. So giving is to be a cheerful, a joyful experience. You shall rejoice. We are instructed. Again, the Apostle Paul picked up on this, and I keep Bring, coming back to the Apostle Paul in the New Testament for those that want to camp out and say, well, it's Old Testament. I'm not hearing a bit of it. I'm a New Testament person. The Apostle Paul picked up on these principles and carried them over. And he was taught, in, in, again, in 2 Corinthians 9 and 7, that God loves a cheerful giver. We are not to give grudgingly or out of necessity, nor by compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Moses instructed the people and said that you shall rejoice. This is a joyful thing. It's a joyful thing. It's an honor to bring your tithe, to submit your tithe unto the Lord and to do so systematically. It's a joy to be learning to trust God that you can look back and you can take a look at in your life and say, I trust him more today than I did yesterday. I'm trusting him more this year than I did last year. My trust is growing. I'm becoming more confident in the goodness of God. And, and, and I have less trust in uncertain riches, but I have a a greater trust in the, in, in, in the living God who's giving me, giving us richly all things to enjoy. So it's always to be a joyful experience. And the joy with which we give reflects our heart attitude towards God as we're presenting our tithe unto him. So continue to be happy about it. Never allow yourself to grudgingly Submit your tithe and your offerings unto the Lord. You want to be, uh, you want to be honoring God and you, you want, to, want to be trusting him, trusting him. So we have the next point that Moses is bringing out. Point number five is found in verse 27 through 29. He says, you shall not forsake the Levite who is within your gates, for he has no part nor, inher nor inheritance with you. At the end of every third year, you shall bring out the tithe of your produce of that year and store it up within your gates and store it up within your gates. And the Levite, because he has no portion nor inheritance with you, and the stranger and the fatherless and the widow who are within your gates may come and eat and be satisfied that the Lord your God may bless you and all the work of your hands, which you do. The tithe is to provide number five principle here concerning the financial issues. 
The, the tithe is to, is to provide for the stranger that is within your gates, the fatherless, and the widow. The tithe is to be benevolent. It's to help people. It's to help those who are in need. And we must be sensitive to how the Holy Spirit is leading in that area. In the very next chapter of Deuteronomy, in chapter 15, in verse 7 through 11, there's another paragraph of Scripture there that's dealing with generosity to the poor. Again, instructing that we are not to be unmindful. We are to remember the poor. And in verse 10 of that particular portion of Scripture, it reads like this. This, this is found in, in chapter 15 and verse 10 of Deuteronomy. It says, You shall surely give to him, and your heart should not be grieved. This is talking about giving to the less fortunate, giving to the poor. It says, You shall surely give to him, and your heart should not be grieved when you give to him because of this thing. The Lord your God will bless you in all your works and in all to which you put your hand. Verse 11 says, for the poor will never cease from the land. Therefore, I command you saying, you shall open your hand wide to your brother, to your poor, to your needy in your land. So we must, in the idea of money management, money issues, we must have a heart, a heart of God and we must be sensitive to those that are less fortunate than we are, and we must not be uh, condescending toward them or begrudgingly helping them out, but our heart is to be sensitive toward them, giving generously to the poor. Jesus made the statement similar to this. He said, as, as you've done it to the least of these, you've also done it unto me. You found that, uh, I believe it's in Matthew 25, somewhere in there. He said, as you've done it to the least of these, you've also have done it unto me. And so tithing, money management, the money issue is to be, number one, systematic. Number two is to be a learning experience. Number three, be flexible with it. Be flexible. There's multiple ways that you can make your contributions. There's multiple ways you can be helping. And number four, do so cheerfully. God loves a cheerful giver. He does not want you doing a grudge. You shall rejoice and your household shall rejoice. And the joy with which you give reflects your heart attitude toward God. Number five, the tithe is also to provide for the stranger, for the, and the, the fatherless, and the widow. I find it interesting here with the, the tithe being a benevolent uh, toward the poor is this particular tithe was not to be brought to the tabernacle. This particular tithe was to be kept within the gates of your own region. This, this stayed in your community. This is helping the people in your community. And I believe what it's teaching us, we shouldn't just, uh, just be thinking, oh, it's a big world out there. There's a big community out there. And, you know, you can even think locally. You can, well, Berks County is really large. Now, certainly I can't be helping everyone. No, we probably can't help everyone, but we can help people within our community. Grace Church can certainly help people within Grace Church. Grace Church can reach out beyond just the people here at Grace Church and reach out to the community. We just came through a year, 2020, that's probably one of the most difficult years for, for everyone with the pandemic, with the shutdown and, 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 and financial restrictions and so forth. But Grace Church has done more locally this year than it's probably done in, in any other year. And I just got the year-end financial reports and the missions fund just keeps burgeoning. I'm thinking, my gosh, we need to do something. 
We need to do something. And so giving to the poor, remembering the stranger, the fathers and the widow within our own communities, within our own communities. We fed more people. We helped more people with, with rent payments and utility payments probably than any other year. But God continues to bless. And that's just not for a church. That can also be true for us as individuals as individuals. So the tithe provides for the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow. New Testament supports that. Galatians 6, verse 2 and 10, we are, we are to bear and to share one another's burdens. We're to bear and to share one another's burdens. Number six, the final point here that I want to leave with you concerning the teaching here from Moses concerning the money issue is, is, is this statement, you can never outgive God. You may be thinking, I am having a difficult time paying my bills. Now you're saying that the word of God is requiring me to give a tithe of everything to the Lord, into the kingdom of God, into the work of the ministry. How am I going to make it on 90% if I, if I can barely make it on 10%? Because we are when you are giving the Lord the first portion, you are declaring, I'm trusting you, God. You made this statement. You made this declaration. I believe it. I am participating in it. I am no longer trusting in uncertain riches, but I'm beginning to put my trust in you who gives me richly all things to enjoy. And the good news is, is that you cannot give God in verse 29, says, the end of the verse is the Lord, your God may bless you in all the work of your hand, which you do all the work of your hand, which you do. And again, the next chapter, chapter 15 and verse 10, specifically dealing about being generous toward poor people, says you shall surely give to him and your heart should not be grieved. Let's do it cheerfully. When you give to him because of this thing, the Lord your God will bless you in, in all your work and in all to which you put your hand. You cannot give him. You just simply cannot give the Lord. The Lord God will bless you abundantly. He will bless you abundantly. It's his promise. And the challenge for all of us today is, are we putting our trust in the living God rather than in uncertain riches? There's many different scenarios that people come up with. There's reasons that people come up with or excuses for, uh, for uh, this is why I don't tithe. I just want to just briefly just uh, to share a few things just to stimulate your thinking, to provoke your thinking, and also to challenge you to begin to put your trust in the living God. Uh, some people may be, uh, not be tithing because uh, they don't think that the Bible really has anything to say about it. Well, if you've just been listening to this, you realize that it does have a lot to say about it. Number two, some people don't give because they simply don't see the need. Uh, they just uh, not aware of it, just oblivious to what's going on around the world. It's very interesting that people have that attitude. I mean, you just stop and think. You can challenge a person like saying, listen, you spent most of your life swiping your card for food, clothing, shelter, entertainment of all different sorts. And then you expect the work of the ministry to be free. You expect the wedding to be free, the funeral to be free, the baby dedication to be free, the church service to be free, vacation Bible school should be free. So anyway, I'll just leave it right, right there. <laughs> 
So keep swiping. Some people are saying, well, I have been giving in the past, but I've gotten discouraged with how the ministry handled the finances, or I've gotten discouraged because such and such a minister has been, you know, just been preaching prosperity uh, too extreme, and I just don't think it's right. Well, that's no reason for you not to be, it's no, it's no excuse for you to not be obeying God. Other people that are not being obedient or they're exaggerating or they're in it for self-gain, that's between them and God. God will, God will deal with situations. So stop being judgmental except for judging your own heart. Where's my heart at? Where is my heart? I'll have the answer to that in just a moment. So you're well-intentioned. You're well-intentioned, but you just haven't taken that uh, pivotal step of integrating that, that systematic, consistent giving, cheerful giving unto the Lord. So my question to you today in closing is this. Where, the question I want you to be asking yourself is, where is my heart? And in the process of asking, where is my heart? It's also important for you to understand that your mind your mind has no limitations to its ability to rationalize. You ask the question, where's my heart concerning money issues? Be mindful that your mind has no limitations to its ability to rationalize. Just one example. Pastor, I hear what you're saying. I see it's in the word of God. I certainly am not going to deny that it's not in God's word. And I, I'd really like to. I'd really like to be obedient to this. I'd really like to come to this place of trusting in the living God, but I just can't afford it right now. And people rationalize that and they believe that's true and legitimate. And at the same time, they have two to $300 a month payments for cable, Hulu, Hulu, Netflix, Amazon Prime. Don't tell me the church doesn't need it, but Amazon needs it. Now, come on. <laughs> so be, be mindful. Be mindful of rational, rationalization. Rationalizing your way out of your systematic, cheerful giving unto the Lord on a regular basis. Matthew 6.21. Where is my heart? The scripture tells us where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Let's pray. Would you stand, please? Father, it's my honor to have this privilege of communicating your word concerning money issues. I thank you for the grace of God on our lives, Father God. I thank you that we have ears to hear. We have hearts that are receptive as well as responsive to the truths of your word. And fathers, we heard this word today as we're hearing this. I'm asking you, Lord God, that, that each one of us, Lord, that we, we take inventory and we ask ourselves, where is my heart? And recognizing that you distinctly made it clear in your word that where our treasure is, that's where our heart is also. So, Father, help us to get our priorities in alignment with the word of God. Recognizing that tithing was something incorporated long before the law was instituted. It was 
It was set up with Abraham and your covenant relationship with Abraham some 400 years before Moses even, it was incorporated into the teachings of the law. And then even after the law was fulfilled, Jesus communicated about giving and how tithing should not be forgotten, even though we should be incorporating the love of God into it. And the Apostle Paul made reference after reference concerning our giving and our attitude in giving, that it shouldn't be grudgingly, it shouldn't be by compulsion, it should never be out of necessity, but it should be out of cheerfulness of heart. Right in Timothy this morning, that our trust is to be in the living God and not in any uncertain riches. So Father, help us. Open up the eyes of our understanding. Bring us into a place where we can trust you. And as we make that commitment, Lord God, to trust you, we thank you, Father. I thank you that you do not disappoint, that your promises of fulfillment, of blessings beyond measure, that we can't outgive God. And Lord God, that your idea of blessing us is that we have, we have more than enough to accomplish that which you have uh, that, that which you are holding us accountable to accomplish in this lifetime, as well as having an abundance left over to give unto every good work as you're leading, guiding, and directing. So, Father, I pray for every person within the sound of my voice that in Jesus' name, we make this commitment to trust you, Father, to trust you. I thank you, Lord God, that you are showing yourself strong on the people's behalf. It's in Jesus' name I pray. And all the people said, amen, amen. amen.